Hello, and welcome to another veterinary team training podcast. My name is Amy Newfield. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And also check out my brand new continuing education website on vetteamtraining.com. Has a lot of really fun, amazing things, and of course, tons and tons of unicorns. I definitely have been known to do a lot of hot button topics, and this is no exception. I really wanted to paint a picture of veterinary medicine, but from a different angle. I mean, you can talk to anyone in veterinary medicine and you can just peruse social media. You can find it on LinkedIn, pretty much anything online. And even in your emails, you're going to get a lot of information that is really negative about veterinary medicine. It's going to have a lot of conversations about burnout and compassion fatigue, high suicide rate and poor pay, Turn in, turnover, as well as turn out of the profession, as well as just generalized negativity, bullying, gossiping, and culture. And listen, I get it. I've actually done really well with my second book, Oops, My Team is Toxic, because there is such a huge level of toxicity and negativity in the veterinary profession. I wrote an entire 400-page book on tips and tricks of how to decrease the negativity, not only from a leadership standpoint, and listen, let me be clear, leaders do not get off scot-free in that book. You have to make sure that you're promoting your hospital in the best way possible, but there are plenty of times where leaders are trying to do a good job. There's also some really bad leaders out there, but there are plenty of good leaders out there, and the team just does not want to be receptive to the positivity and to the culture change. And so Again, there's a lot of workplace environment issues when we're talking about veterinary medicine. And then we can bring in even more, such as like just our healthcare benefits. The fact that most of us, 80 to 90% of us are women and women are still the ones that are responsible for having babies. We've not figured out the maternity leave thing in this entire game called veterinary medicine. And then of course, we've got big corporation issues. We've got small business owner issues. There's issues all around. And so when we look at it, it's overwhelming. We start and we kind of think, how is this profession ever going to fix itself? How are we ever going to get into a place where people want to come into this profession? Because we're bleeding out our veterinary professionals at this point. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. We've always been short-staffed. We were short-staffed in the 90s when I entered this profession. But now in 2023, it is a crisis. And again, tons of articles, tons of information out there, and tons of theories as to why we're getting out of this profession. Most of them are not shocking theories. They all tend to have to do with the topics that I just talked about. People are getting sick and tired of dealing with the same industry issues. And when we look at the generations, we're not blaming a generation. Let me be very clear. We need to fix this profession because it's always been this bad. It's not gotten worse over time. When I entered this profession in the 90s, I made terrible benefits and terrible pay and unfortunately always have had to work two three sometimes four jobs in order to make ends meet uh, i've continued to do that throughout my career and i have worked for some pretty toxic environments complete with chairs being thrown people bullying each other it's just been really you know it's been really kind of sad when i think about it because i love this industry so much you know, the thing that I always say to people is we all go into this industry for the same reason, which is the animals and the medicine. No matter what you're doing, those things are always there. It's not the animals and it's not the medicine that stresses me out. The clients stress me out. But as you get older in this profession, you actually figure out ways of managing your emotions to those clients 
hopefully you do, significantly better. My younger years, I didn't manage clients very well. When they were escalated, I would escalate with them. I just couldn't figure out how to process my emotions. I would internalize them and take it home. But as I've gotten older, I figured out how to kind of let things go, you know, immediately. We all have that same song in our head, let it go. I'm not gonna sing, but you know what I'm talking about. So we all learn, hopefully, as we grow in this profession, how to sort of let some of that stuff go and how not to internally process that. That said, those things don't stress me out. It's all the other things. It's working within a team. That probably stresses me out the most is the team dynamics. To be perfectly honest, if everyone was happy and drama free and I could just come in, do my job and manage the occasional cranky client, my job would be so easy. But instead, there's so many different personalities, it's hard to manage all of them. And it can be exhausting, especially for introverted people like myself. And then we have, of course, the other stressful things like the pay. Anybody who says money doesn't lead to happiness is crazy. It's because they've got money. Money definitely helps with happiness. Is it the root of all happiness? No. But will it help you be happy? Oh, hell yes. Those people who say that stupid saying, they've got money or they've never been flat out broke. Being broke is super stressful. There it is painfully stressful to worry about living from paycheck to paycheck and hustling and having to work two jobs and stressing out about whether or not, you know, your utilities are going to get shut off or is your landlord coming after you? And honestly, again, when people say money can't buy happiness, they don't know what they're talking about. Those people got money. Money can definitely buy happiness. We should just take that saying out because money definitely leads to happiness. Does it completely buy happiness? No, not all the time, but it definitely helps you get there. That is for sure. You are not happy when you have to live paycheck to paycheck. So those things are the things that stress me out. So here's where I want to flip the switch. There's a lot that the individual person can do to fix this profession. And I'm really using this podcast as a call to action. Every single person who works in this profession, whether you are in industry or out of industry, every single one of us has a responsibility to fix this profession within the means that we're able to do so. Let me repeat that every single person it doesn't matter who you are i don't care if you work for you know a big company a small little privately owned hospital i don't care if you work for a veterinary company that is manufacturing goods or pharmaceuticals every single one of us has a responsibility to fix what we can fix within the means that we're able to do so and i think a lot of times employees and I, listen i used to do this as well blame our leaders we blame our managers and listen they are definitely not without their faults in fact a lot of them are the drivers of the negativity again i think i have an entire one or two chapters in the book dedicated to hey calling out the leaders that need to fix their own issues in terms of leadership in order for that hospital to be happier but it's not necessarily the leader that has to go ahead and fix things i we had a very interesting experience for over a decade. I worked for a, a privately owned uh, specialty hospital. And the interesting thing was the leader was not great at leading. She was terrible. You knew she cared about us, but sometimes it was hard for us to understand that because sometimes there was actually verbal assaults, yelling at the staff, potentially even throwing things. She was a very high stressed leader and she put her stress onto the team. 
here's the most amazing thing about that story. I could have easily just dealt with that stress and internalized it. Instead, to date, hands down, the best veterinary team I've ever worked with. The veterinary team was dynamic. We isolated ourselves in a little bubble and we made what I like to call bubble team. We were a bubble team. We just put a little bubble, like a little glass dome of ourselves. And here was our crazy leader screaming and ranting and raving and talking about not only the business of the hospital in inappropriate ways, but also the business of her personal life and also bringing in, unfortunately, um, client drama. I remember her once verbally assaulting an actual client out in the waiting room, verbally assaulting them, literally saying the things you shouldn't say, which was, you shouldn't own a pet if you can't afford this bill. You should literally think about never owning an animal again. I mean, those things that we want to say, this person actually said it. Here's the thing. We never let it bother us. We were super ridiculously happy team. We would occasionally have obviously come together and say, can you believe she did X, Y, and Z? And we'd laugh about it because we had such an amazing cohesive team. The veterinarians were included in this bubble, the vet techs, the vet assistants, the CSRs. We were a great team to date. Definitely the best team I ever worked with. So can you be a bubble team? You can, but that's hard to do right in the lieu of terrible leadership. It is hard to isolate yourself and generally love your job. That said, there's a lot, that, a lot that employees can do that really impact not only their hospital, but the entire profession. So I really wanted again, flip the switch, make this a call to action, realize that you have more power uh, in yourself than you realize in changing not only your actual workplace environment, but the career that you are currently in. We all want to fix this profession. It is time we all do what we can do within the means we're able to do that. So let's dive into some of these things. You know, I actually went down the rabbit hole of research of what can employees do to fix, fix the workplace culture? And unfortunately, zero information. There was zero information. And Amy was really unhappy because when she can't get data, she's immediately feeling a little defeated. And I thought, you know what? Probably nobody has thought about what can the employee do to fix the culture. So instead, I flipped it to what can the employer do to fix the culture? And I started looking at the key things that the employer can do and what can the employee help with? And it was very interesting. You know, most of the articles said you needed to pay people well. You needed to offer good benefits. Those are out of our control. Mostly, unless, and listen, if you are in the position to affect pay and to affect benefits, I really want you to hone in on your financial ability and maybe take some classes because what I've realized is most veterinary hospitals are poorly managed when it comes to finances. We have too much inventory sitting on our shelves. We go by archaic, and I'm going to say it's archaic PL stats. You know, they go, this is the way that is best managed for your hospital. These are exactly the percentages for non-doctor payroll. Here's the percentages for doctor payroll. They've been around since the dawn of time and they haven't changed. And I'm here to tell you, I have seen high-performing hospitals with 25, even 28% of their non-doctor pay payroll for their P&L. I know, like shocking. Someone once told me they actually came across a hospital that had 32% of their payroll for non-doctors and they were a high performing hospital. So I want you to consider taking some financial classes, buck the norm. Again, if you have influence on that, if you don't have influence on that, okay, what can we do to make a better work environment? I mean, 
Again, from a leadership standpoint, it's going to say things like hire great team members. Don't be afraid to let the ineffective ones go. Again, most people have no influence on this. But here's some of the things we do have influence on. I love this one. Here's from a leadership. This is actually written out of HBR Harvard Business Review article. It says you need to improve communication with your employees. Okay, here's my challenge for all of you. Every single one of you, every single day, needs to be able to realize that they have to respectfully and kindly communicate with every member of the team. And that doesn't mean you need to be best friends with every person on the team. That's not what I'm asking you because that's not gonna happen. But instead, I really do think you need to learn how to communicate in a polite, kind, and honest manner. This is super important. And what it said is employees are motivated and feel valued when they're given positive reinforcement and shown how their work contributes to their success of the business. It, honestly, why can't we do that for each other? Why can't we learn to communicate? And one of thing that really struck me in a conversation recently is I had a manager say to me, Amy, it's, it's so difficult to communicate with every single person on my team. It's almost like I have to morph my own communication style to meet their communication style. And the answer to that is yes, you do. And that's also the same for every single one of us. Every single one of us needs to be able to morph our communication style to meet the other person on our team. And our team member needs to morph their communication style to meet ours. And I know some of you are saying, well, that's just who I am. Go back to the podcast where I literally did a podcast where I dislike those words. It's just who I am. No, it's not. How you talk to your parents is very different than how you talk to your best friend. It's definitely different than someone you talk to in the line of a grocery store or supermarket. Very different than if you ever had to talk to a lawyer. Very different than if you talk to your boss. So it is not just who you are. When you go to order something at a fast food restaurant drive through you talk to that person very differently than you talk to other people in your life. So you do morph your own communication style just innately throughout the day. I need you to do that because you care about the people on your team. You should care about every single person on the team. And the person you get along with the least is the person you have to put more effort in. So how do we do that? We need to have honest conversations. You know, there are times where I look back at my career and I did not necessarily get along with someone on my team. I wish I had had the strength to go up to that person and have an honest conversation because I guarantee you, they probably felt the same way. We need to have these conversations because if we do that, we actually break down a lot of barriers. It's okay to go up to someone and be kind, be polite. Don't go up to them and say, you know, I don't really like the way that we communicate together. I think you just suck as a human being. Don't do that. That would not be good. But instead, I would truly appreciate if I knew I was having a communication issue with someone, if someone came up to me and say, hey, I was hoping we could have a conversation because you know, we work together a lot and I just, I feel like we're missing the mark when it comes to communication. I want to learn how to communicate with you better. Wow. Like amazing, right? Like I want somebody to come up and really have that conversation with me because I promise you one of two things is going to come out of my mouth. I didn't think we were having communication issue. Do you want to talk about that more? Yeah, I do. Because I get really nervous when I talk to you or X, Y, and Z, or yeah, I absolutely agree with you. We're not communicating well. 
We need to be able to figure out how to communicate. And every single one of us <laughs> needs to go to communication classes. I feel like this needs to be something that's taught in high school and colleges, grade school, just how to communicate with people. There's a lot of online communication classes. I encourage you to all do it. Will I one day put it up on my website? Probably. Um, as a side note, I'll plug myself. I do do communication workshops. They're a lot of fun. We dive into talking about emotional intelligence, ways of opening up conversations. So it's really important we learn how to communicate in order to make sure that we're able to improve the environment in which we're working in. Another thing that it says over and over for leaders to do is express gratitude to your team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Every single one of us has the ability and the power to express gratitude to every person on the team. You know, one thing we do is we get so commonplace with just ordering each other around that we forget to say thank you, we forget to say pleases, we forget to really express gratitude to the people on our team. Listen, I know some of you were like, we don't order each other around. Uh, you probably do. It sounds something like this. It sounds like I need you to go get a catheter in that patient right away. Yeah, when you're done with that, you know, X, Y, and Z, I need you to go take three huge films of that dog or that cat. How are we supposed to feel like someone appreciates us if we talk to each other like that? I need you to pull back. I need you to start infusing a little bit more professionalism in everyday workplaces and say, hi, I know you're busy, but when you're done, could you please get a catheter in that patient? Thank you so much. It's very different. And for those of you who are not necessarily working in a hospital, you probably do have a better communication style and are a little bit more professional than most uh, veterinary hospitals. Unfortunately, most veterinary hospitals, we treat each other like family, which as you know, I don't love that. And we go ahead and say terrible things to each other. We yell at each other and we order each other around. And if you're not yelling, you're still ordering each other around. So be cognizant of how you communicate. And make sure you infuse that gratitude. Thank you so much. That was such a great job you did on that dog. I know it was a difficult surgery. Or thank you so much for doing X, Y, and Z. Instead, we don't appreciate each other. And then over time, we start feeling undervalued and underappreciated, not just by our leader, but by our entire team. And then we go to the people that we're the most comfortable with and we start gossiping and we start saying things like, Ugh, can you even believe how surgery, you know, wanted me to go ahead and put in a catheter? I mean, they could see I was busy. They didn't even say thank you. It really is about the little things. In a Forbes article about how to change your culture, I really love this one. Embrace transparency. You know, obviously from an employee standpoint, we want our leaders to be transparent. But what does that translate for the everyday person who's working in veterinary medicine? You know, it basically, the effects of a transparent culture impact the entire company. And that's what Forbes goes on to say. And here's, here's what they say. Highly engaged employees are 2.1 times more likely to report working for a transparent organization than those who are actively disengaged. Okay, so let's dive into that. How can we be transparent? Well, we can be transparent with each other. Trust is the foundation of any sort of culture. We really have to get to know how to communicate with each other, but also learn to trust each other. Part of that trust means you have to be transparent. Unfortunately, 
A large percentage of our hospitals have a group of individuals who are constantly gossiping, hiding secrets, hiding things from individuals. That's not cool. And I see it, you know, even within groups, you know, one of the things that I just actually had an opportunity to talk to a group of leaders about through the Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society was uh, basically breaking down the walls between the individual teams within your hospital. Listen, you have lots of teams within your hospitals and you probably recognize it's difficult to manage all of them as one cohesive team. There's a lot of issues and factors in that, but one of the things that we see is front desk versus technicians or technicians versus doctors or everyone else versus leadership. So part of that issue is, is that we pack up and we become less transparent. And unfortunately we start holding things hostage for just our team and we feel like just our team our immediate team is the most important but truly trust is the foundation of all great culture and part of that is being transparent now when i mean transparency i mean transparency with being kind and polite and also assuming good intent i love talking about assuming good intent in fact i have megan brashear coming on in july she's going to be doing a lecture on assuming good intent an entire hour long how to put that in your brain and make sure you think that of every single person so transparency is not keeping secrets it's instead of gossiping just going up to the doctor and saying hey i wanted to talk about something you don't seem like yourself and is there something going on because you seem really negative and every so often you're snapping at the team and that's not like you that's being very transparent but coming from a place of kindness and honesty first and foremost don't go up to the doctor and be like you're being a real jerk i need you to knock it off um that's not being kind again it kind of go, does go back to that communication skill because here's the thing we can do that we can be transparent on our feelings we can be transparent with what's going on and how potentially that person's even impacting the team or we can just gossip about them and be negative and be mean and all of those things. We also want to be transparent between departments. Nothing drives me crazier than the doctors know about something and the technicians and assistants have absolutely no idea. That's not cool. We can do that amongst our own teams. We do not need our leaders to do that, which is really important. I also love the fact that this article talks about sharing successes. You don't need a leader to share your success. There's no reason why you can't share successes between groups between departments we should all be bragging i love when there's somebody on the team who's the cheerleader who goes above and beyond to recognize people individually and it's not even a leader with a title they're a leader a leader innately they're doing the things that leaders should do and i think that's what made our bubble team so successful is we boosted each other up we would put you know praises on the board and sometimes our owner would walk by and be like what happened and we'd be like oh so and so did x y and z and she'd be like oh that's a great that's great that's fantastic um not that she would re recognize us in any way we recognized her ourselves and so there's no reason why employees can't recognize and even potentially help reward the valuable contributions of each other that doesn't have to come from leadership and when i say reward don't think monetary you can just make something simple. You can literally write a card for someone, hand write a card. This is an old fashioned thing that goes a long way. People, there's something called a pen and paper. It's not just through an email, but an email will work. I want you to write, great job, you were amazing this week and put it in their mailbox, put it in their book bag, put it on their lunch bag, wherever it is, you know, hand it to them on the way out. You don't even need to say anything. That's going to go a long way. I love this next part. We all can do this. We do not need to be leaders to do this next one. So Forbes writes, 
that changing culture from a leadership perspective also means embracing and inspiring employee autonomy. <gasps> yes, I want you to stop micromanaging each other. And that's the crazy thing because we think about micromanaging from a leadership standpoint, but listen, there are plenty of people who are working in hospitals who are micromanaging. I have seen most of the time, but not always, highly skilled veterinary, credentialed veterinary technicians micromanaging the garbage out of veterinary assistants. They don't trust them because they didn't go to school, yada, yada. And unfortunately, when we don't give that employee the autonomy to do their job and we're constantly standing over them, criticizing and being negative, how does that make that employee feel? Yeah, our teammate doesn't feel very good. All of us need to keep our micromanager in check because the reality to the micromanager is the reason why you are micromanaging is not because someone else can't do it. I love that excuse. Oh my good, no one else can do it. I'm the only person in the hospital can do it. You listen, everyone, I am the only person who can do it. And listen, to some level that might be true. If you're the only surgeon, you're the only person who can do surgery, I get it. But some of the other stuff, you can learn to delegate, you can learn to trust people to do it. And I have literally seen, unfortunately, surgeons creating every anesthesia plan, making sure they're standing there for when the animal's getting knocked down, they're aiding in actual intubation of that pet patient. And some of you are saying, well, we don't have trained individuals. Well, listen, you gotta train people, hands down. You've got to learn to train people, but you also have to learn to trust people. This is really important. So everybody needs to not be a micromanager to others because there's nothing more insulting than I'm trying to do my job and I've got somebody who thinks they're better than me micromanaging me, telling me every aspect of how to do that. That does not account for a good workplace environment. And I think we've probably covered this, but one of the other things that this article in Forbes writes is, Promote a team atmosphere. We have to be very careful that we don't use silo statements. This was part of the conversation in the lecture that I was doing with Vex. And we, you know, sometimes divide ourselves instead of bring ourselves together when we say things like, oh, well, the doctors are really stressed, but you know us vet techs, we've always got our stuff together, you know, or ooh, gosh, everyone else is falling apart in the hospital, but you know us front desk, we're the best at doing what we do. We are literally the anchor to this entire hospital. When we say those statements, they're very ego boosting to the team, but actually it divides the rest of the hospital. So we need to be cognizant that we're always talking about sort of that team dynamic, that we're all part of the same hospital because we are, we are part of the same hospital. And the other thing that this article wrote is give and solicit regular feedback. Honestly, we should be all willing to accept feedback from our peers. I want to know how I'm doing, not just because, you know, I may or may not be in a leadership role. Every single one of us on the team should be checking in and saying, hey, how am I doing? Do you think we're communicating well? Are we working well together? And if not, let's figure out what that, that really means because that's super important. You know, culture really can be impacted by everyone on the team. I, I talk about this in my second book about how does one bad apple ruin the entire bunch? And the answer to that is yes. There's actually been some psychology studies out there. Uh, I'm not going to dive fully into them if you want. Definitely go check out my book because um, they're in there. But honestly, they've done a huge amount of research that said that if someone who's super negative, very, you know, down all the time, 
you know, someone who might be depressed or, you know, just really gossiping, if they're pretty, if they have a pretty loud personality, they can have the ability to change the entire team's dynamic within 10 or 15 minutes. And so part of this podcast in the call to action is recognizing that every single one of us has an influence on that team's culture. You do not need to be in a leadership position in order to impact culture. By just coming in and being your best self and being as positive as you can be, you single-handedly have the ability to impact the culture within your team and hospital. That's right. You have the ability to make or break your hospital's culture by the things you say, how you interact with your, your teammates, and how you go ahead and hold yourself every single day. This is really important that we recognize that every day we have to keep ourselves in check first and foremost. And so the flip of the switch that we really haven't talked about in veterinary medicine is we need to hold ourselves accountable first and foremost. If you're someone on social media making fun of not just others, but the entire veterinary profession, you're adding to the negativity in that profession. If you're you know, bullying people at your work or you're micromanaging them, guess what? You're adding to the negativity of your hospital. If you have a group of friends that you like to gossip with inside your hospital and talk about how terrible your workplace environment is, you're just adding to that. So you have to ask yourselves, what type of person do you wanna be? Do you wanna be the type of person that impacts change and promotes positivity in a healthy workplace environment, as well as really great psychological safety for everyone in your hospital, or do you wanna bring down the entire profession? And I know that sounds dramatic, but yes, one bad apple can ruin the whole bunch. And right now we've got a lot of really bad apples in this profession, like a lot. They're all over social media. They're constantly placing the blame game. And first and foremost, you have to look internal. You have to look at yourself and saying, am I the best version that I can be for this entire career? And if not, what can I do to be better? And if you find yourself being burned out and you're angry about it, well, then you need to ask for help. One of the things that I always say, which is a little strong, you cannot blame others for your burnout. You didn't ask for help. You didn't put boundaries up. You didn't change jobs. You didn't say no. You didn't express those things. There are a million jobs in veterinary medicine. If something is burning you out, it is your job and your responsibility to express your emotions and how you are feeling to your employer, but it's also your responsibility to go find your own happiness. Let me repeat that. We are the masters of our own happiness. No one else is gonna find it. So you need to go get your happiness. If you're unhappy in this profession, go find it. I promise you it can be obtained. Uh, it sometimes can be a little difficult. You might have to run down a couple paths, try things out and be like, nope, happiness is not down that path. I need to go figure out where to obtain happiness on this path but it can absolutely be obtained. And no, none of us, none of us should tolerate being unhappy in this profession. So figure out what works for you because that's so key. Because again, we are all contributing to this profession. If collectively we all were just happier, more positive people, we'd probably all have a happier, better profession. And listen, it's not that simple. It's not just about owning your own personality and the way that you treat others. That is a lot of it. But there are some really broken pieces in this profession that go beyond that. In the veterinary world, they really do need to figure out how to make veterinary schools more affordable. You're coming out with super ridiculously high loan debt. There, there are people who will never pay it back in their lifetime, and that's disappointing. You're literally saving animal lives, 
and trying to figure out how you're going to pay back this absorbent quarter million, sometimes, you know, higher loan debt in your lifetime. That's unacceptable. We have to figure out how to make veterinary schools cheaper. We've got to figure that out or we're not going to have veterinarians. Technicians, oh my gosh, we're just a hot mess. Where do we even begin? We need title protection. Go South Carolina. You guys just got uh, title protection. Good for you. Title protection does not ostracize veterinary assistants. What it does is it makes a true profession. Listen, we obviously have, you know, nursing assistants and we have registered nurses. Why can't we do that the same? And unfortunately, right now, when we're all lumped in, guess what? We all get lumped into the low, low price of not being able to afford to live because it's considered an entry level job in most states. Unacceptable. We have to figure out that. We have to figure out scope of practice as well. And front desk, don't get me started. That's the entire profession of CSRs. And changing the title doesn't fix the problems. Like, you know, we used to call front desk. Now we call them client service reps as if that's going to elevate them and solve all the problems. Listen, can we just solve the damn problems and stop giving them a million different titles? My advocacy for the title would be a veterinary medical receptionist. That's what you do. You're not just a veterinary receptionist. You're a veterinary medical receptionist. There are medical receptionists in the human field. That's what I want to see for the front desk. This entire profession, which honestly, I can't even call it a profession because we don't treat it like that. We just basically grab people, you know, and say, here, go answer a phone, ring some people out and handle one of the most important parts of our business, which is the finances. And then we get angry when they, you know, burn out or we don't treat them well. Uh, Yeah, we should be paying them more. That entire area of our hospitals is a disaster. Can somebody just do it right? And then practice managers and owners and hospital administrators. Oh gosh, you guys, I mean, that's a hot mess. You need leadership training desperately. Check out both my books. I'm going to shamelessly plug them here. Um, There's an entire, by the way, Vetfolio created a lead like a unicorn course for leaders. I think even if you've been in this industry for a while as a leader, it's going to give you some tips and tricks. You do not know how to do um, finances. You do not know how to organize your hospitals. You do not know how to pay people fairly. You do not know how to actually create career paths. You do not know how to have coaching conversations and the list goes on and on. It's a mess. This entire profession is a mess, but let's look at the things that we're able to control. Cause when we look at the things out of our control, we get overwhelmed. And then what we find ourselves doing is going to social media and playing the blame game and blaming isn't getting us anywhere. I mean, it's certainly not. We're just blaming the entire profession for all the issues we we have. And let me say, we've got a lot of issues, but we actually have a lot of things in our control. If we can have healthier, happier workplace environments, we have less turnout. We have less turnover. We have people who stay with us longer and that means better veterinary care. And hopefully that means increased revenue and hopefully that means increase in salary. Right now we are just constantly putting out fires and we're not fixing this profession at all. So this is my call to action in this podcast. Hold yourself accountable. Make sure that you represent the profession every single day to the best of your ability. Recognize this is constant negativity on social media. It's not doing anything. If it was, we would have fixed the profession because listen, there's a lot of negativity on social media. If that was going to be the thing that would fix the profession, it would have done it by now. So let's try something different. Let's try positivity, elevating each other, helping each other, coming from a kind and caring place, 
number one. That's the number one thing we all need to do because we're all in this profession doing the same thing, which is helping animals and doing it through offering amazing medicine. Thank you all for everything that you do. Keep on being unicorn and please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.